but we're having these conversations, these kind of public conversations that, uh, that we want to have with our church and in front of our church in a unique way. And so uh, I don't know if this, I don't know what, what you compare it to, if you uh, compare it to uh, a talk show or, or if you compare it to a podcast or whatever. But uh, in the midst of it, also what you're going to see, so, so what this is, is this is unscripted reflecting on scriptures together uh, that we think are really relevant for the life of our church, specifically as it regards to, we, we, we're calling this rules of engagement, um, Christ, Christ-like interaction during complicated times, okay? And so in the midst of that, you'll also see Bethany behind me here. Uh, helping us make sense of everything that's being said and maybe bring some things to the forefront. So she's just going to be doodling and taking notes in her own kind of artistic way. And that also, for some of you kids, if you got a whiteboard or anyone else that may have picked up a little mini whiteboard, how fabulously life path is that? Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can take notes on that. Um, and, uh, and the rest of you, just enter into this conversation with us. And we'll talk more about what the actual conversation is, is going to be about. But, uh, Dwayne, you're going to start with a story for us before we get into the scripture. Yeah, because I think this sort of helps um, set the stage. Um, so, man, renovation projects are challenging, aren't they? Um, so some of you who've been to my house know that we have a screened-in porch at the, on the back of our house. Um, and when, when, when all this stuff started happening and we were homebound... Um, it, there was a brave, very brief time at the beginning where I got really industrious and I felt like I wanted to work on stuff. And so I was at the hardware store and I, my goal was to try to renovate our screened in porch, right? It needed new screens because the screens were terrible. Uh, and what we decided to do was the, the lower half all the way around. We, we sort of walled that in. We wanted to wall that in. Anyway, long story short, um, if you know me, this probably isn't a surprise, but I never actually finished the project. So we got new screens, but we didn't quite do the finishing work. I didn't ever quite get it painted. Um, we got kind of an outside wall up around, but didn't finish the inside. There's still enough cracks that bugs and dirt gets in. And I think the Bible talks about that, about you know starting a project and laying a foundation without thinking about what it's going to take to finish it. Yeah. Oh, like snap. Maybe there's a story... <laughs> Jesus tells about that, but um, well, the, well, it, it's on a concrete slab, so I'm confident that I, my my porch is not on sand. But anyway, <laughs> so there came this this you know constant conversation between Elisa and me, like we really should just call a contractor to come and finish the project and do it right, so it's done well. But um, but yeah, so renovation I think is challenging. We're going to talk today a yeah. little bit about that idea of trying to make things new, trying to renew things. Yeah, we run, and, yeah. And, and we run into these, these projects in our own lives and often in our own selves where uh, you get something started and like, like Dwayne was saying, you know, it becomes a real process. And sometimes you accomplish some things and some things are left unaccomplished, or uh, at least at the moment, and you need to figure out who to bring in and, and how to help along in those ways to get to the end goal. And it's often really messy. And, so, and I think the moral of the story is it takes community. So, like, I'm inviting you guys all over with your tools <laughs> to come and help me finish my, my porch. That's great. Way to, way to make a, a plug is that a good for, segue? for that. That is a great segue. Uh, so we're talking about, uh, so last week we talked about Romans 14 and how complicated it is to 
to, to learn to figure out uh, what is, how to not be judgmental, but at the same time hold differing views and, and stuff like that. This week we're moving to Ephesians 4, uh, partly inspired from our conversations with Sabrina lately, and it's fun to have her back in the state now. She's been... She has been all over the place, not because she's a jet setter, but for the sake of love and caring for people. And so you can uh, talk with her about that at some point. But Sabrina, do you want to read um, for us from Ephesians 4? And this is going to be verses 17 to 34 that we're going to riff on and look at today. Sure. How far do you want me to go? Uh, To the end of, oh, actually, let's just go to the end of the chapter for the moment. So starting verse 17 through the end of the chapter. Okay. So, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that's in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new. Oops. You know when you screenshot something and you chop off a line? You can use this right behind you. I can use this right behind me. Hey, how about that? Thank you. (laughs) So sorry. Yeah. Um, To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Thank you. Sorry about that. Thanks, Sabrina. Um, So... Let's just set this whole thing up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, Dwayne, what's happening in Ephesians right before this, this kind of, because this can come across yeah. as like a really big to-do list. Yeah, like, absolutely. Do, and, do, I, and I think it can be really heavy. This is one of the challenges, I think, when we read, and, you know, for years, I, you know, I would read like devotions, like daily devotions, and you take a verse or two or six out of context and not understand yeah. the fullness of where it's being communicated. Um, and, and, and to me, I think it's, it takes first and foremost, an understanding of Ephesus and what the church was and where the church was, that it was a major uh, hub 
Uh, it was on the west coast of what we would now say modern-day Turkey, right across the sea from, from Athens. It was on a major trade route. Paul had stopped there um, and, and spent three years there converting people and building this, this church, uh, and others had, had been working on that too. And so Ephesus was a very, um, uh, it, it was the place where the, the, uh, the temple of Artemis was there in Ephesus, and that was a huge place of, of, of worship in the Roman religion. And so, and, and actually this is the place, if you guys remember, um, where uh, in Acts it tells us that Paul was in Ephesus and he actually caused a riot because all of the craftsmen, all the guilds people who made this stuff for the temples, they were losing work and losing money. So, it, so, so there was a huge population of Gentiles there, and Paul had been there. And then Gentiles just meaning non Gentiles non meaning non Jewish people, right? And but then they converted, they became Christians, and and Paul at this point writing this letter from prison after he had been there, and then he was later on he's in Rome in prison, and he's writing back to this church. And the first three chapters, and this is, this is the important setup here, the first three chapters is all about, listen, gang, we are all one. Whether you were a Jew or were a Gentile, now there is only one. Where there used to be two groups of people, now there's one group of people. You're in. The grace of Jesus has covered all of it. And there's, there's a few verses that kind of jump out at me. Um, in in uh, 1.7, he says, in him, in Jesus, we have our redemption and forgiveness of sins. In 2.5, he says, he, he, we've been made alive with and Christ. And remember, the whole point is the we the is we, like yeah. all of, like the Jewish people, the Gentile people who have such different cultures, such yeah. different cultures, such and different then understandings. One final thing that I think is important to set this up, this is the place where we find the, the verse that so many of us know so well, that it is not by works you've been saved, but it's by grace. Mm. It's not by your effort that you have been involved in this community and brought into this community. It's just by the grace of God. Um, but... God has set out these works, these good works in advance for us to do. Um, and so that's kind of the setup. So we get to this to-do list. It's not about do this to earn your salvation. There's a big punctuation in the middle of 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1 through and 3 ends, and then you get a therefore statement. Mm -hmm. Therefore, because you're part of this family, because you're part of this community, therefore, there's a new, a new way that we can think about living. Yeah. yeah, so this old and new theme is really relevant. So let's talk about the old thing, and then um, as we transition to talk about what it means to experience the new self, I want to hear, um, specifically, I want to hear from Sabrina, because this, this passage has been really influential in her life this, um, these past couple of weeks, really. But I want both of you to hop in here. So let's just talk about this, this old thing, uh, because the, the whole passage kind of starts with this brutal, this need for brutal honesty about, about how there are, there are ways that kind of bounce around in us that just don't match up to Jesus sometimes, you know, and, and I, I find it interesting that the two words that Paul uses, at least in, in the NIV translation, and it's, it's pretty, pretty helpful and accurate, um, the two words that he uses are uh, in terms of the old way of thinking in verse 17 he says, uh, in the futility of their thinking, futility meaning like uh, pointless. pointless, yes, thanks, Sabrina. You know, like, so, so there's a way of thinking when you're living this way <laughs> that's kind of pointless. It doesn't actually get you anywhere. And then later, he talks about in verse uh, 22, uh, the desires are deceitful. So I found those two words really interesting about the old self, that there's sometimes that we get into ways of thinking and ways of living that, are, that don't actually accomplish anything. 
but yet they deceive us. They promise to accomplish something. So how do some of these old ways, how, I, I want to hear, how do they accomplish, how do they deceive us <laughs> into thinking that there's something of value? What do you, what do you guys think? And oh, I'm, talking about things, okay. I'm talking about things like um, not being able to be, having lost all sensitivity, not, mm-hmm. not being able to, to have a, a sense of, of good and bad, sensuality, which is not just about what we adults might think. It's about <laughs> any, any like self-indulgence just for the sake of feeling great, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what are these things, how do they deceive us? Well, I mean, I... I one of the things that I've thought about a lot is, is an in and out idea. These people are in, these are, these are the people who have it figured out, or these are the people who are living the way they should, or these are the people who understand things the way they should. Those people are out. Um, and this very, um, these are the ones I accept and love. Those ones over there, I'm going to put a nice clear path around them. I, th- I think it really leads us to a separation. And since the whole letter is speaking so much to unity, Mm-hmm. and yeah. to the oneness, that there's, there's not a place for that. And there's kind of a club mentality, you know? Like, like once we're Christians, even, there can be this very club mindset. The people who are in the club and the people who are still out of the club, they're allowed to visit the club, and if they want to become members, you know, maybe they could do that. But, like, they're different, and it, it's very subtle, and it's very easy to get sucked into that. And it's interesting to notice that when you, when you bring that out, that there's a whole sense of unity that's being talked about in this passage and in this book. We want to take this and make it highly, highly individualistic. Mm-hmm. But we can think about the types of, of greed and the types of impurity that, where we just ignore the people around us to get what we can or to, um, to, to put people outside. We can, we can take what's ours. You know, we find out that in terms of greed and stuff, you know, in, in Corinthians, they have this issue where when they would come together to share a meal in Christ, all of the rich people would get there earlier and eat all the food, you know, like greedily eat all the food. And then the ones who had to, to work longer days and didn't have that lifestyle in Corinth got there later and there was nothing left for them. And he's like, this, you're, you're being greedy there. So, so there's all sorts of things. We shouldn't just think about kind of yeah. the money issues. And, and there's a reason that we're sort of going with with our continued theme of rules of engagement right because yeah. this is about connecting with one another like community in this this crazy time and again in in a manner of context if you looked back into chapter 4 right before this passage in chapter 4 is when he says uh, as a prisoner for the lord then because he's in jail uh, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity And that's, he starts chapter four with this. Keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the father of all. And so that's the whole point. He sets this up by saying it's about unity. And then, and so I think the old self is this idea that our old self wants to be separate. Our old self wants to be my my work. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm not going to be part of this. I'm, I'm responsible for me. Isn't that where we're deceived? Isn't that part That's of the deceitfulness right, exactly. of those desires yeah. that we're talking about? Because we get this idea that if, I, if I'm right, then I don't need other people, or if, mm-hmm. if people are different from me, then I don't need them, or they're not as important, and I can write them off over and over again. If you're different from me, if, you're, then if, if I think you're wrong, I can write you off over and over and over. And, and so all of these things, even though some of them look and read very personal, Um, they all have an interpersonal impact because our lives aren't just inside and outside. 
If there's something going on in our heart that moves us towards selfishness, we're going to use that against other people in, in various ways. Um, so, so there's this whole idea that this old, this old self is, leads us to ways of thinking that are futile, like um, this is going to make me happy, you know, I have, I have the right to do this blank because I'm correct or superior. We never say these things, but these are the, the sorts of things. You know, God doesn't care about this part of my life, so I've got freedom, or I can rationalize it because I'm stressed out. They deserved it, whether it's what I do to somebody else, anything like that. And it happens over and over and over again when we live kind of in this, this way that, you know, we, we're deceived that kind of how the rest of the world lives is the good life, and, and we've missed out on what the good life actually is supposed to be, which is where Paul is trying to remind the church, look at what the good life is, be really careful, you can fall into these habits, but you've been called to do something different, and that is to, to put off the old self and to put on what he calls the new self. And, uh, and so I want to say one, word, one thing about the putting off is that, it, yeah, so this is verse 23, uh, or actually verse 22. Uh, to put off your old self is the same word to imp- imprison. So when, when John gets thrown in prison, John the Baptist, during the Gospels, he's put off into prison. So it's the same word of like some things in your life, you actually have to work hard to actually lock, it up. lock them up because they are not helpful for you. And, and it takes effort. And so this is a different thing than the new life in Christ that Paul talks about in Galatians when he says when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. That's something that happens independent of you. <laughs> Being a yeah. new creation is something God does completely. But then there's this old self and new self that is very much our own partnership with God that's like wrestling yeah. and difficult sometimes. I'm, I'm drawn to the word taught in that scenario. Yeah. Like he says, you were taught to put off the old self, to put on the new self, hmm. which says to me as an educator, man, there's hope in that. Mm-hmm. Like this is something we're learning. This is something actively that we're continuing to learn to do. It's not... Because I always used to struggle with that passage, actually, that you just mentioned. Like, you're a new creation in Christ. I'm like, well, I still feel like the same old yeah, crappy you me. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. But, but, this, but this gives me hope and to say, you know, yeah, I can actually put some effort in here and learn better ways hmm. to be new. Learn better ways to, to complete the work of, of the, the screened-in porch, right, that I started. And, and, and to, to get better at, at life and to get hmm. better at unity. Um, so that's hopeful to me. So as we, as we then head into, let's talk about some of the characteristics of the new self. Um, do you want to wait till after we talk about that, Sabrina, to share about yeah. how this has been impacted? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the new characteristics, and then you can weigh in with how this is personally hit, and we can all mm-hmm. talk about that after that. But um, okay, so some of the characteristics of this, this new self that is, by the way, created to be like God. So the new self <laughs> is not just being like a nice person and highly moral, it is directly reflecting Christ. That's what the new self is supposed to be, a self that is being made in the image of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, we are living into something that looks more and more like Jesus by trusting him. So the first thing is to put off falsehood and speak mm-hmm. truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? And well, I, I, I want to zoom out a little take, bit. Take a bigger step well, back. I want to take Go a bigger step back because, again, I, I guess in my world right now, as an educator and as a parent, the, the question always comes up, why? Yeah, why is this good. important? If I'm going to teach you this subject, if I'm going to teach you this skill, why is this important? 
Why does it matter? And I think it's important that when we approach a passage of Scripture like this, which can start to feel very tricky, like a list of to-dos, right? There's a reason. There's an ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal, he follows up every one of these statements with sort of a why. Mm -hmm. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Why? Because we're all members of one body. Mm -hmm. We're all part of the same (laughs) team. In your anger, don't sin. Why? Because that will give the devil a foothold. And what's a foothold but but a place on which to stand to continue to further invade, right? I mean, the idea is you let, you with falsehood, you let that deceit into your community and it destroys that unity that we're talking about. Uh, don't steal because guess what? It's better to work, not because work will save you, but because if you work, you can actually have something to give to people in need who have less than you. Hmm. That's about community, right? And then the final, um, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth Why? Because we need to say what's helpful for building others up. Every single to-do item on this, he comes back and follows it up by saying, because it's better for the community of Christ if you act in these ways. Yeah, and better for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And again, with the context, if you go back to the chapter before this, there's a lot of talk about their individual gifts. People have their individual strengths. Some are called to this. Some are wired for that. But every person living in personal obedience is building up the whole of the community of the body of Christ, too. So it's not just that I should be looking out for Keith and I should be looking out for Dwayne. It's that I should be being Sabrina as I follow Jesus in, in, in constant obedience. And it's going to be better for Keith and it's going to be better for Dwayne as well, you know. I think sometimes we get into trouble with the deny. If you've grown up in the church, there's a lot of language on like denying yourself and and taking up your cross. And there's a lot of value to that attitude, except if you're actually being made into a new self, then the new self will actually desire the things of God. It's not always like I think I think sometimes when we make out the, the, the Christian life to be one of such sacrifice we make it sound like we're giving up the good life to follow Jesus. And that yeah. is not the truth. Not. And the truth is that when yeah. we bear with one another, right? Yeah. When we choose to speak honestly, which so much better. It, th- like it is better for us all because we are being founded in love. It's better when we put off those selfish desires or those lustful desires or those, those judgmental desires because we walk the next day and we feel lighthearted. We don't feel weighed down, right. you know, yeah. even though at the moment it feels like, well, that'd be easier. I well, love I, indulging I, in whatever I want to For a, a quick plug for yeah. the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, if you guys are participating in that, you know that that's one of the things, the that's point. one of the signs yeah. of unhealthy spirituality, emotionally unhealthy spirituality, is the idea of, of acting like you're giving up the good life, like dying to the wrong things. And I mean, it, yeah. it's that whole unhealthy idea of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being you know, so good that I'm doing this, this, this. That, that's yeah. not it. You're missing out on the fullness. You're missing out on the... Yeah. So, and, and when, we, when we embrace that, it really does change yeah. the idea of the Christian life being such a heavy burden, and instead we're being invited into something so beautiful. Yeah. It's not always easy, but it's so beautiful. It's like climbing, like, you know, um, I don't know, I use my metaphors because they're relevant to me, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm hiking or backpacking, and it's hard with my kids, but we get to this beautiful area that we could not have accessed otherwise, we know that on the journey that that's coming, that that's what we're going after, and it's worth doing some hard things to get there. It's worth going through a little bit of, of pain. And there is sacrifice, right, to my own comfort. But the beauty is so worth it, so mm-hmm. worth it, you know. And Paul talks about striving toward, you know, this, this incredible life. I'm going to keep going because it's worth giving up everything for. And so Paul doesn't see his life as a sacrifice most of the time. 
Yeah. But we take those short moments, and I don't know, I think we do ourselves a disservice. I think we mm -hmm. communicate um, to the, the world around us mm -hmm. that the Christian life is kind of annoyingly hard <laughs> instead of, oh, yeah, it may be yeah. challenging, but the freedom that it brings because I don't have this, you know, yeah. I, I've resolved my conflicts or I'm not standing there in judgment of you. Instead, I'm, I'm seeking to understand where you're coming from and why you might yeah. be different than me. And, and by the way, I do want to talk about that speak, that putting off falsehood, just for a second. Totally, yeah, I Let's, love it. Because it says, uh, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to each other. And why is it, this, this is our combative nature, uh, in maybe in, in the United States, whatever. When you hear speak the truth in love to somebody, what do you think? Or put off falsehood and speak to your neighbor truthfully, what do you think in your head? It's rhetorical. I'll tell you what I think you think. <laughs> I think most of the time you think putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully to your neighbor means telling your neighbor where they're wrong yep. or where you disagree with them. Don't you? Isn't that what you think of when you think about putting off falsehood and speaking truth to your neighbor? No, well, I got to tell you lovingly I disagree with that. <laughs> That's totally false. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was just an example. I see what you did there. But, but my point is, sure, there may be times where that is a part of speaking truth. But what if speaking truth means me being honest about how I'm hurting right now and I need support? Yeah. What if putting off falsehood means stopping acting like I have it all together? What if putting off falsehood means stop acting like the world is black and white, and if I disagree with you, then you are all black or white in this case? Mm -hmm. I actually don't like how we, what we've done with that, so I'm going to take that back and saying that if I disagree with you, you are all no good. There's mm -hmm. nothing good or redemptive in you. Mm -hmm. I don't like black and white analogies. We've messed that up in the United States for a long time, so let's just call that there. Um, but, but anyways, we need to walk in a way that understands that not everything needs to be seen through the lens of truth mm. equaling combat. Yeah. It, it, Jesus, Jesus talked a lot about, he used the word hypocrite, right? Yeah. Which means actor. Mm -hmm. That's the Greek word for an actor. Mm -hmm. Putting off falsehood. Stop playing a role. Yeah. yeah. Stop be being false. Stop be being real. somebody that you're not. And like you said, it's, it's not about... You know, giving up things for the community. About, it's about me being me in this community, me being authentically me. So in a way, putting off falsehood, why do we put off falsehood? Because we're all members of one body, right? So be authentic. Be yourself. That's great. It just seems to match that that has to be a part of all of this because oh, yeah. then it goes into talking, right, and the power of our words, which is so much a key to this whole idea of how to have Christ-like interaction, mm -hmm. right? Don't let unwholesome talk come out, but only what? What's helpful for building others up according yeah. to their needs, that it may benefit mm -hmm. people. Right. You know, we just need to be really careful that we don't decide to rationalize, well, this is for your own good. Yeah. You know? Um, if we need to have those conversations, mm -hmm. then let's, let's be curious. Oh, man. There is this incredible scene from um, the Apple Plus series, Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. We don't have Apple Plus, so I, d I didn't watch it. I don't watch the series. We've been watching the whole okay. thing, yeah. You know the dart scene? You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, anyways, yeah. there's this scene, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's like four minutes long. Yeah. And he's playing darts, and, and he gives a monologue, the main character, during this time. And he's talked about how he's never been accepted by people. Always been judged, always been looked down. And he's a, he has a southern accent, right? Uh, attitudes about people with southern accents are often that they're less intelligent, whatever. And he's in England, so he's being looked down on in that way, too, or in, in Europe. I don't know what... It's in, he's in England. In yeah. England, Yeah. And, and he talks about how he sees this Walt Whitman quote that says this, simply, be curious. Be curious. And he realized that all the people that judged him, all the people that looked down on him, not one of them was curious. 
Not one of them ever asked why mm -hmm. he was like he was. Not one of them ever wanted clarification. And that challenge to be curious, like that's how I want, if I, if I disagree with somebody, if I have a different perspective than somebody, I want to be curious. I want to say, help me understand where you're coming from. Because I, I don't, I'm not sure if I understand yeah. my faith in the same way that you do. But I'd love to know why. Yeah. Instead of like, that is ridiculous. Like what's going to open up the door to conversation more and love and unity? Mm -hmm. We can right. do this. But, but we have to, like, it's got to be in the church. Like, the church has to do this because the world's not going to do that. Yeah. They're, they're not willing right now. Nobody's willing to do that unless you've been, um, there may be exceptions for people who don't know that they've been shaped by the character of God that I might call common grace they've received. But by and large, most people, if you've not been changed by Jesus, you're not going to have the capacity to be that humble in your interactions. But it will lead to such goodness to building up the body, to not, to, to unwholesome talk being banned from us, meaning not what's helpful to build up others. And there's yeah. just so much opportunity there if we say, Jesus, help me, right? I'm going to pray for those who wrong me. I'm going to lift up and, and try to bless those yeah. who might be sinned Well, and, and, and let's call it out and, and, and risk being really volatile here for yeah. a second. I feel like right now in our current political climate, whether you're talking about politicians or policy, whether you're talking about masks, whatever it is, none of us are asking the curiosity questions. Right. None of us are saying, I wonder why they feel that way. I wonder why they believe what they believe about that issue. I wonder why they feel so strongly about saying those things on Facebook. Like asking the curiosity questions helps us get to the humanity of it and understand that Everybody is coming from a place of pain and brokenness and struggle and trying to renovate their own life the same way we're trying to renovate our lives, right? Yeah. So in a, in a key to, to you know, rules of engagement, mm -hmm. those curiosity questions are really important. Yeah. I, I wonder what is at the heart of this thing that I'm seeing on the outside. I, that, to me, immediately that flips me into empathy and it flips me into wow, there's something deeper going on here. Yeah. And then I can engage and pray for that person. I can, I can, I can, be, I can love that person in a real way. Um, yeah, so to me, I think that's, that's but huge. But you can't ask the question until you recognize you don't automatically know the answer. Right. And so if we, if we hear something and we automatically know why they're behaving that way, why they're talking that way, without ever asking why. There's, there's no hope. You know, in my body, if I'm walking and my, um, my, my ankle turns or whatever, my balance is off for a minute, I stop and ask, what is wrong with my ankle? Why do I feel so weird? Like, that didn't feel right, right? We all do that. If you wake up and your throat is scratchy, you think, why is my throat scratchy? You know, is it allergies or is it COVID? <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, ask yourself, because it's your body, if something behaves in a way that you don't expect it to, if you go to pick something up and you don't have grip in your hand, you think, that's weird. What's up with that? It's because it belongs to you. It's your body. Mm -hmm. If we really believed that we were one body, mm -hmm. that we were called to be one, then when that's something good. behaves in a way that we don't expect it to, we would go, that's, that's what's up with that? That, that wasn't what I expected. But there, there's a humility there, and there's a recognition of connectedness. Yeah. So for you under 30 crowd, let me put this in a different way, because you may not get this, but as I approach Did he just call me old? Pointing at me. Because, <laughs> he me old. Did you because, hear that? Because, you know, like with your running and your exercising <laughs> and all that stuff, 
So like, okay, under 40 crowd, right. yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, I wake up every morning now, as the closer I get to 50, and there's a new pain in my body. I'm like, what is that? Some Where did that come from? Some of you doing the body scan were completely distracted I know, the I'm entire like, time. You're like, okay. oh my gosh. I, I got to see, see a doctor, doctor about that. 17 years. Yeah. So yeah, I identify with that. Because I feel lots of parts of my body that I need to ask curiosity questions about. And when we, Sabrina, what you were saying, when we decide that we know the answer, where do we usually get the answer from about why you are feeling that way? It's not from you. It's probably from someone who's telling me what you think. Mm. And when I say you, I mean a massively large characterization yeah. of whatever you are. So I probably read an article somewhere that said all the people like you mm -hmm feel this way because of that. Yeah. And so, okay, that my job's done. I have figured yeah. you out. <laughs> yeah. And I am no more like Christ, and we are no more unified. Mm. And I can be as I can be as dismissive as I want mm -hmm. of you without ever having that conversation. <laughs> it's not how we're called to be, you know. Uh it, I mean, this is brutal, but if you want to really get down to it with what Paul says, he says that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, the verse he uses, or the statement he used in verse 30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, so get rid of the, your bitterness and your rage and your anger and your brawling and your slander, along with every form of malice. So he's saying anything that's in your heart, by the way, like that last, that last sentence is intended to, yeah. by the way, anything I may have missed, yeah. let's just say it's all on the table. Anything that darkens you, you know, and that verse earlier of darkening, uh, blah, 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 verse, uh, they're darkened in their understanding, verse 18, the, the word is, they're made blind, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so this idea, we're, we're, we're blinded by these things. Anything that blinds us to the humanity of another, to the brotherhood and sisterhood that we've been given, needs to be carefully Locked yeah. up mm -hmm. yeah. so that we can, and you're still going to disagree, mm -hmm. yes. you know, and this Absolutely. isn't all political. Like we're just living in a world where right. everything now is yeah. moving in this direction of us, them. So it hasn't, it's not just who you're voting for, no. you know, um, but I think it's really important to, to understand that what we have right now when we are talking about that, and maybe we can move on from that in just our last couple minutes, but you know, the person that you might be drawn to vote for, you know, I have my own strong opinions about what I think is best for our country right now. But the people that would feel differently, they're not the same as the people that are in charge. Mm -hmm. And often we do that. We say, well, you are the same as blank. Mm -hmm. And we need to have the hard conversations and the compassionate conversations to realize that um, it's unhelpful what we do when we, when we decide that we're going to let somebody else determine yeah. what you feel and how you feel. Yeah. And kind of like we talked about last week, there is this sense of, you know, you're not, your job is not to judge others, right? And in verse uh, 2 and 3, which is not up on the board here, but the idea is, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, mm. right? And that's, that's the point, and it bookends with what you were just talking about, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. This whole thing is just dripping with love one another. You are covered, like, it's, it's in fact, it's the, the verse that, that Jess was, was quoting from Romans this morning about, you know, there's nothing that can separate us from the love that is in Christ. I mean, love covers all of this. Hmm. 
And if the whole thing is not grounded in love, then we're going to get into the divisiveness. We're going to get into the judgment. We're going to get into the, all the things that he says not to do here. Yeah. And so, uh, so let's, let's then wrap this up by just talking about, like, just highlighting what is the good news and maybe how we move, move forward into this. How have you seen this, Sabrina, to be really good news for you lately? Um, it's been really good news for me lately because I've had a lot of unexpected stuff, unexpected people, um, unexpected situations in my life over the last few months. And looking at those, I have wanted to respond with, not my problem, um, I don't have headspace for that, uh, that, that kind of like I've wanted to pull back from things. And it, it's become good news because it's making it possible. I'm having relationships with people that I would not be able to, to be in relationship with if, if this weren't going on. If I wasn't asking why, if I wasn't um, seeing the unity and the body there. And you know what? When you let somebody in and you have a relationship with somebody that is initially appears to be inconvenient, you get amazing blessing in your own life. Like, that sounds selfish. It's not. It's the good kind of, this is for me. Like, I have been enlarged so much in the last couple of months by relationships with a couple of people that I did not expect to be giving um, big space in my life right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing good news in this. Um, the, the metaphor that came into my mind is a sports metaphor, and forgive me for all my sports metaphors, but um, I always use sports metaphors in classes, and all my cute, nerdy music students are like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but like, I, I was imagining this idea of, um, of a team, a sports team, that you know, normally you would have to work really hard, condition your body, you would have to try out for this team, and, and you would only get on the team if you proved you were worth being on the team. But this is a team where you have been invited, regardless of any talent or ability or athletic, you know, anything, no tryout, you've been invited to be on this team, and that part is done. You're on the team. You're on the team. So wouldn't you, in that situation, wouldn't you want to work as hard as you could out of gratitude to be on that team and because of the fact that, that the better you get and the better your team gets, the more you win and the more you succeed and that's just better. Like that to me is what this is about. Paul says, you're on the team. We're all yeah. covered by Christ. So don't you just want to live this way? Don't you want to just imitate Christ so we can live a life that is full, that is meaningful, that is full of joy and full of all the things we were talking about earlier. So to me, that's the good news. The good news is it's done. This is not a checklist we have to worry about failure it's like we're on the team and now we're just called to live a different way a new way because it's better for everybody yeah um and and i think that leads right into those final verses which actually uh was pointed out we were talking and i think you pointed out Dwayne, right before but our our headings and our chapter things those were added hundreds of years later into the bible and so often a chapter heading will be put right in the middle of a statement that was being written, like if you're writing a paragraph to a friend and then they just, you read it later and they've divided it and organized it into two sections, you're like, yeah, that wasn't the start of a new thought, that was just the same thought. That's often what happens, unfortunately, in the scriptures. Uh, so, so the last couple of verses right there in chapter five are the kind of the, the, the crescendo the of the first verses section. of chapter five. Yeah. So, yeah, the first verse of chapter five. The first verses of five are the last verses this. of this. Yeah. So be kind and compassionate, just as in Christ God forgave you, um, 
follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, not in order to be dearly loved children. Mm -hmm. That's the good news. Follow God's example, because you're his kids. You've got his DNA now. Mm -hmm. so, so live in that and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved, gave up himself, loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. Mm. Sacrifice to God. So walk in the way of love as God's children. The pressure's off. You're God's kids. There's a family resemblance there. Mm -hmm. yeah. But live into who you are, too. Mm -hmm. So choose to walk in that way because you're capable of it. I, I think that's fascinating because we, we, Keith and I discovered last week as we're both reading back and forth, uh, both out of the New International Version, that there's actually two versions. We knew this, but we didn't yeah. realize we had different ones. He's got a more updated NIV. I've got the older NIV. And the, the verse that I'm used to, to the 5.1 uh, saying what it says in my NIV, which is be imitators of God. Oh, yeah. Therefore. And yours says what? Follow God's example. Follow God's example. And I think that's what a fascinating change in, in the idea of like, I don't know why imitators always sort of seemed fake and it seemed hmm. like not myself and it seemed like, hmm. you know, maybe harder to attain, but follow God's example. Yeah, yeah I can follow somebody's hmm. example. That's cool. I like that. So we want to just encourage you this week. Uh, we... This is a very organic approach that we're just deciding, and for some of you, it might be really hard, and that's okay. Um, you get the other 49 Sundays or 50 Sundays of the year that's more uh, organized and structured and linear. But, uh, but to just take a moment and rest in who you are in God, but understand that as we walk forward, that identity should cause us to take on these new characteristics over and over again, and that, that involves some work, but there's such joy as a part of it, and it's always going to affect your relationships with each other. Um, but you are capable of that because you're not doing that alone. Christ's Spirit is in us, making us new, helping restore, and we didn't even talk about that word a lot, but the whole idea of being made new is where we get the word renovate from. Yeah. And so it's not just this, like, magic. It's hard work to renovate the house, mm -hmm. and Jesus joins us in that work.